0: Amen. Lord Jesus, we worship you in this place because you are worthy of it. The name above all names. God, we come in this place today because you are the giver of life. You are the creator. You are the sustainer. You give us peace. You give us forgiveness, God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, through the blood that was spilled and the life that was raised three days later, God. We have life today, and we celebrate that, Father, with you. We celebrate the opportunity that you give us each and every day that we live on this earth, Father, to live for you, to change this world for you, God, and to be a part of your kingdom that is a forever kingdom, an eternal kingdom. Father, may we never forget that as we live each day, as we gather to worship God, as believers, as we gather to worship including the saints, God, as we worship with them to you. You are Lord, you are God. And so, Lord, in this place, as we each week draw closer to who you are and know you more intimately, Father, we come, we come with burdens, we come with hurts, we come with sickness, we come with physical limitations. And Father, you are the great physician, you are the great healer. And so today, I know there are many things, that there are different folks in this place And online and watching it live today, they're dealing with different things. Lord, we lift those up to you. Physical concerns, marital concerns, job concerns, whatever that might be, God, we lift them to you. We ask your will be done, Father, that you heal, that you change, that you move, God, that you restore. Thank you for who you are, Lord Jesus thank you that you're more than just a man. You're Lord. And I pray, Father, in faith, as we ask these things, you hear them, Lord, and you deliver them. Father, today, may we draw close to you. May your word move us and stir us. May we be changed. We thank you. We give it all to you, Lord Jesus. And it's in your name we ask it. Amen. Amen. Man, I'm so glad that you are with us here today, this morning. And it is a beautiful day outside. It is a great day to be in the house of the Lord. You know, as I was thinking about these last few days and weeks and and really even a, a couple of months. Um, as we kind of knew this series was coming uh, that we were going to be looking at, kind of this question just kept running through my mind. And the question was really just this, if and when I have a chance to tell somebody about Jesus, especially someone who had never heard about Jesus, never has been shared about his life and, and who he is, somebody who didn't know anything about Jesus, what exactly would I tell them? I mean, have you ever encountered that? It's like, what exactly do I say? Because, you know, when we say things, well, you know, Jesus was a man, and and really I need to we need to put an asterisk there because he was more than a man. But what would I what would I want someone to know? What would I want someone to know about this man who I've devoted my life to following? And my hope is that as I share Jesus with them, that they will too. Or even someone that maybe, you know, would be a believer, but they're not, they're new in the faith, or they they are barely begun and they don't know much about Jesus yet. They don't know the details of his life or his nature, his character, his purpose for his people. What would I say to someone like that so that they could be? following him more faithfully you see i think most people who've been to church know a little bit about Jesus' life and ministry but honestly we tend to view jesus through such a modern filter i mean we do right Honestly, I think if we were truly to become face to face with the Jesus of the Bible, this first century Jewish rabbi carpenter from a small town in Galilee, we might not recognize him. Over the years, we've had so many portrayals of Jesus, we've had so many paintings of Jesus, drawings, pictures. Not to be rude or crude, but, you know, the most white Caucasian Jesus that you could see. Which is probably not what he looked like. We've had this picture painted for us for years of what he might look like and all these different things. And what has happened is, if we, is what, here's what's happened, is we often see Jesus through the filter of who we are. versus who he is. In other words, we're trying to fit Jesus into our mold versus us fitting into his. You see, we've seen Jesus in the filter of ourselves for so long that we run the risk of missing a very important point. It is not for us to spin Jesus into our likeness. It is for us to conform ourselves into his likeness by his help, by his power. How do we do that? We know that God's word, his scripture to us, is him revealing himself to us. And the good news is scripture paints a very detailed, a very complete picture of who Jesus is and what he is like. And the reality is, is as we follow Christ with our lives, it is a lifetime of learning more about who Jesus is. There's not one message, not one series that's going to do that and just fix that for us. Thank goodness. We need that. We need the lifetime of following him. But as we read the Gospels, as we read his word, as we learn more about who Jesus is, we will find that we will be very surprised. He's not going to be, maybe, is what we expect him to be. He's full of surprises. But it's through that that we get to know him very well. And so that's why we're going to spend these next weeks looking at the person of Jesus Christ in this series, Jesus. We want to go deeper than just the vacation Bible school stories or even the parables that we just looked at a few weeks ago. Why? Because we can not only know about him, but more truly know him. We can learn about who he was and who he is. But more than that, we can learn through him of what we need to become. Today, we're going to talk about who is this man more than a man. But why should we follow him? What makes him different than any other religious leader? Why does he deserve our devotion? Why is Jesus so special? Three things i want us to consider today things that you may know maybe you don't know things that i believe if we really lead into some of these foundational truths it will change us in how we view jesus it will change us in our commitment in this series over the next few weeks and so the first thing I want to show you, if you have your uh, Bibles today, we're going to be all over the place, so just be aware we're not sticking in one passage today, um, but we'll have all that on the screen. We'll also have it in the Bible app if you want to go there uh, so that you can see all those different scriptures. But the first point I want us to, to nail down this morning, I think it's important because it's so foundational, is that Jesus the Christ is God. Jesus is God. He is and was God in the flesh, the eternal God, not an angel, not a pre-existing supernatural being, not merely a God. He is the God, the eternal God. Jesus has always existed and will always exist. If you have your Bibles, look at John chapter 1 verse 1 with me this morning. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It's a very foundational piece of Scripture for us as Christians, as Christ followers, and of course, Jesus himself. Because when we look at this, when you look especially at the original language, the Greek word for the capital word, W word there, the word, it's logos. And John here is referring to Jesus. Jesus was the Word. And here's what we know. Jesus and God the Father are one. Jesus and God the Father and the Holy Spirit are one. One God, each uniquely identifiable. The doctrine of the Trinity, as we call it. God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Some of you are like, whoa. It's not a simple concept to understand. But it only stands to reason that the very nature of God would be beyond our ability to comprehend, wouldn't it? Why is that? Because if we could break down and decipher God like a mechanic breaks down the carburetor of an old car, he would be a very small, limited God. But God is not small, not at all. Our God is great, far beyond our ability to comprehend, and he always will be. With that said, when we think about God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, three in one, to help us kind of wrap our head around this, I had a pastor teach me this years ago. There are a lot of illustrations, a lot of pictures, but this one really set home for me, and maybe it will help you. When you think about our government as the country of the United States of America, as much as we want to go, whoa, don't go there, (laughs) it's very helpful in us understanding the picture of the Trinity a little bit. How many governments do we have? We have one. We have one national government, no matter how much we love it, like it, hate it, all that above. But we have one. How many branches are there in the government? Three. We have the legislative branch, which is made up of Congress. We have the executive branch, which is made up of the president leading that. And we have the judicial branch, which is made up of the court system. Three branches, one government. It's a little confusing at times. We struggle with it. But the reality is, is that's how our government works. And we accept that fact, right? We accept the fact that there are three branches to make our government work so that we have that one government. And so for me, it helps me to see, man, that is, that is a picture, a picture, not like Jesus at all, <laughs> not like God, thank goodness. But it helps us to see that three in one we don't completely understand it, but it's God's word that reveals that to us. It's how God has showed us that. And the word of God doesn't stop being true just because there's something in it we don't understand. And that's the beauty of God is he, he wants us to seek him. We've talked about this the last couple of weeks with all of our heart and soul. And he never comes back void as we look to his word for answers. He shows us and he, and he, and he fills those gaps in for us. And so here, Jesus, this is what's been revealed to us. Jesus Christ is the eternal God. He has always existed, will always exist. What's more proof of that? Well, if you look later in the Gospel of John, when Jesus was debating with some religious leaders, chapter eight or so, he made the comment that Abraham rejoiced to see him, Jesus, the Messiah, coming into the world. And so the religious leaders there, they're they're, they're arguing and they're debating and they basically say in effect, come on, you're not even 50 years old and you claim to have seen Abraham who lived 2,000 years ago? What happens in verse 58 of John 8? Look, Jesus responded to the Pharisees saying, very truly I tell you, before Abraham was even born, I am. Now here's the amazing thing of that is they absolutely completely understood what he was saying. Why? Because the phrase I am goes back to the book of all the way to Exodus. It's the name by which God called himself when he's talking to Moses on Mount Sinai. So when Jesus said before Abraham was born I am he was saying in effect I have always existed. I am eternal. I am God. And the Bible says that after Jesus said this what did the religious leaders do? They wanted to pick up stones and stone him to death. Why? Because he said he was God. And what would that be? Blasphemy. If what he said wasn't true, it would be blasphemy. And So what what do we get from that? What do we need to be reminded of in that today? We don't have the option of saying that Jesus was just a good man or a good teacher. Jesus never claimed to be just a good man or just a good teacher. He claimed to be God. And that changes everything. C.S. Lewis said, a person who claims to be God is either a lunatic or a liar, or he really is who he says he is. It has to be one of the three. It can't be a little bit of all three. Jesus claimed to be God, and as we come to know him, we need to know him on his terms. Can I tell you what I'm afraid of in the church today is we're all coming to know Jesus on our terms. Remember, we've got the painted picture of what we want Jesus to be. We've got the painted picture of what we want God to be. Jesus say, no, you come to me on, on, on my terms based on who I am and who the Bible claims that it has shown us that he is. If we go to the book of Colossians chapter 1, look at verse 15 and 16. Paul wrote these words. He said, the son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Woo! That is a game changer. By him and for him. Everything we have, everything we do, by him, for him. So when you walk outside and you look at your beautiful flowers today, or you get in the car to drive home, or you go to your job tomorrow, God has blessed us. This carpenter from Galilee, everything we have, not only by him, but for him. So when we think about that picture, we begin our journey knowing Jesus by understanding that he is God, the eternal God, the creator of all that exists, and the reason for all that exists. And whether a person believes that or not, they need to know that any study of Jesus will ultimately lead in this direction, that he's not just a good teacher, but he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. The fact is, most Christians don't have a problem with that part. It's the next part that people struggle with. What is the next part? Jesus is a man as well. Jesus is a man. I'm saying that the Jesus we encounter in the Gospels is fully human. Many people are okay with the idea that Jesus is eternal. It's easy for people to accept the idea that he was not really one of us that he floated his way through his life on earth in a otherworldly sort of way but that's not what the bible shows us you see the challenge for many people is in accepting this idea that jesus was in every way fully human as he walked this earth and lived among us he was man Earlier, we kind of joked about the asterisk by the word man, right? Because he was more than a man. But it's true. We have to understand that he was never less than a man as well. He was never less than fully human. He was neither a ghost nor an angelic being walking around in a heavenly body that appeared to be real. He was fully human. They kind of help your mind wrap around that. I want us to just realize that Jesus was a man that when he was hungry he ate. When he was tired he yawned and he went to sleep and when he was working in the carpentry shop if he breathed a little too much dust in the air guess what he sneezed. When he was handling rough wood he would get a splinter in his hand. When he cut himself he bled. When he was young, he learned how to walk and how to talk and how to use the tools of a carpenter. In the synagogue, he learned the scriptures, very scriptures he had inspired to be written. Just as in school, he learned the rules of grammar and conduct and everything else that a person must learn. He was God who put on flesh and was a man. How do we know? Well, let's look at a few scriptures. This is this is what the Bible tells us. Luke chapter 2, verse 52. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature in favor with God and man. Hebrews 5, verse 8. It also is why the Bible says that Jesus said this. He learned obedience from what he suffered. I love that. He he learned obedience. Isn't that interesting? We need to realize that Jesus was not some Clark Kent, all right? He was not some Clark Kent where the bullets bounced off his chest even when he was wearing his earthly disguise. He was a man as fully human as he could be. Fully God, fully man, the same time. Do you know what name he often called himself? The Son of Man. 79 times in the gospel, He refers himself as the Son of Man. A couple of those, Luke 19, verse 10, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Mark 10, verse 45, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. There's been a lot of books written about the Son of Man and why that term was used. Here's what we know. It means that he is, like we are, fully human. He's not Superman in a Clark Kent costume. He's a real living, breathing human man. A man very subject to being human. Now, there's another verse we've all heard that we sometimes have a hard time believing Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest, Jesus, who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet what? He did not sin. You see, Christians can easily believe the without sin part, but we often struggle with the idea that he was really tempted in every single way. But he was just as we are and we know how ugly temptation can be man Ravi Zacharias was talking about this on the way into church this morning on the radio and he was talking about you think about on the spiritual journey you know as you get older and you get more in the word and you grow in the steps of Christ that the temptation will get easier no he says it gets harder So can you imagine Jesus being the very son of God on this earth? The temptation that he faced. Yet he never yielded. He was without sin. Because he was a man, fully human. Subject to being human. You see, this is important. This is so important because of who Jesus is. In order for him to be the savior that we need, we had to have Him be both. He had to be both. We can't save ourselves. We need God's help. It's obvious that we can't save ourselves. You only have to look around to know that. We need God's help, and that's why God sent his son into the world, to not condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved, is what the scripture says. Fully God Fully man. Why? This reason here that he came so that we could be fully alive. As we look back to last Sunday and we celebrated the resurrection of Jesus Christ, him being alive. That's why he came. We could be fully alive. I love John chapter 10, verse 10, some of Jesus' most famous words. He said, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the fullest. And Listen, there are two ways. There are two ways that you and I experience the abundant life he promises. One is that we follow the example of Christ. We follow his example to live by because he gave us the perfect example to follow because it's in Jesus what do we see we see what it truly means to be surrendered to God the father and that is a lesson that many of us are learning each and every day right but we see that picture and it's why it's so important for us to understand that he became one of us because in his life we see that the human we see what our life should be He shows us his prayer life, his worship, his submission to the will of God, his compassion towards other people, the way he responded to insults, the way he responded to mistreatment, the way he shows mercy, and on and on and on. It's through the life of Jesus that we see what we're supposed to do. This is how you're supposed to act. This is what men and women were designed to do and created to be. We pattern our lives after his example, and when we do that, we become fully alive. But the second thing, before you can become fully alive and fully follow his example, you need to know him and receive him as your Savior and Lord. I'm concerned today that we have people, as you heard me share if you were here last week, I'm afraid that we have people in churches today that are following the picture of Jesus, but not fully following Jesus with all their heart and soul surrendered to him. What did Jesus say to Nicodemus? He says, to be spiritually made alive, you must be born again. John 3, 7. The Spirit of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, when you surrender your life to Him, that's the beautiful part of the Trinity, God the Father, Jesus the Son. We surrender our life to Him. We get the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit takes up residence and fills our lives and lives inside of us. And that's how we walk each and every day. Following Jesus is about more than accepting some new philosophy or some ideology. It's about having a genuine one-on-one personal encounter with the living God. The God who has made himself known to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And for some of you here today, he's calling you to that new life in him. Not your life, a life in him. I don't know if you've ever seen the movie When Harry Met Sally, but the very end of that movie, you've got Harry and Sally, they're separated, and Harry runs all the way across town on New Year's Eve to crash this party where she's at. He runs in, he crashes the party to see her, and Sally's like, what are you doing here? He says, I'm here to say to you, I love you. And she's like, you expect to bartend here on New Year's Eve and say I love you and expect that everything's just going to be okay. We've all tried it, right, men? Yes, (laughs) then. But what did Harry say? He said, yes. And so I said, Harry, how do you know that you love me? And he goes on and he says, I love how your nose wrinkles up every time you ask questions like that. I love how you can't make up your mind what to order in a restaurant. I love how you're the first person I want to talk to when I get up in the morning. And you're the person I want to be with when I go to bed at night. I know this may sound a little corny, but that's exactly how our loving God feels about you. It's exactly as Harry traveled across town to pursue a relationship with Sally. God traveled through heaven and time and space to pursue a relationship with you. And we have to come to terms with that. And all we have to do is say, Lord Jesus, it's impossible for me to hate you. I love you. Come into my life. I want to surrender my life to you. I want to live for you. My hope and prayer is that if you've never done that, you will do that today. If you're here and you know Christ is your Lord and Savior already, that man, there'll be a new awareness about what he's done in your life. When I think about Paul, after many years of following Jesus as he sat in a Roman prison facing death, Paul wrote about what really mattered to him. Philippians 3, verse 10 and 11. He said this. He says, I want to know Christ. Now remember what his life has been. But this is his final words. He says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. To know him and become like him that's our goal my prayer is as we look at this more and more through these next few weeks is that we're going to come to know jesus more and more it's not for us to spin jesus into our likeness but for us to conform into his likeness to know him as he has made us known to him in his word and so here's what i want to encourage you to do over the next 40 days or so i know that seems like a long time it's not I want you to commit to beginning each day with a few minutes of spending time alone with Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do it out of the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. The first four books of the New Testament. And spend five minutes, ten minutes reading from that. I've attached in our Bible app for this week in the notes, there's a, there's a wonderful uh, Bible plan in the app called The Gospels, and it'll help you do that. You'll read a piece of each of the Gospels each day. And if that doesn't work for you, maybe you want to just pick a Gospel and read your way through it one story at a time. But here's why. I want us to just really, over these next 35 to 40 days, encounter Jesus from his word. Not, not from other things. Not from me. Not from a person. But from encountering him in his word as he said, I am the word. I want to encourage you to do that. It's not that hard. Five to ten minutes. If morning doesn't work for you, you're a night out. Good. Do it at night commit to it and think about what you read think about what he's showing you think about his person you know who he is and his character think about the things as we talk more about his character over these next sundays as those are revealed to you the stories that you've read that you'll not only know about him but you will know him more and the more that you know him what the more we become like him that's the key this morning, I want to ask you to bow your heads, and I just want to talk us through a couple things. Some of you here this morning, God has been pursuing you, nudging you to become fully alive in him. Maybe you've been trying to do so much in your own power. Maybe you have never surrendered to who he is as God, as a savior of the world. So he comes today and he's encouraging you. The very one who gave his life for you on the cross is alive today bringing you and drawing you to the Father, to be saved, to repent of your sin, to seek his forgiveness and walk in the newness of life of Christ. If that's you today, I would love to talk to you. I'll be down front. You come. I want to talk to you about taking that step in your life. The other things I want us to consider as we respond is do we really comprehend that he is God of all? Every gift that you've been giving, everything that you have to enjoy. Do you comprehend that? Do you understand he was fully human to empathize with whatever you may be dealing with? And maybe today you're dealing with some stuff. He wants you to come. He wants you to pray about that with him. He wants you to talk that over with him. He wants to meet you right in that, whatever it is, whatever that mess looks like. Come meet him today. Maybe you want to come and thank him for the blessings. Maybe you want to come and ask him to help you through whatever it is you're going through. Come and confess sin. We can't be fully alive in Christ if we walk in sin, if we walk in the secrets of our heart. (laughs) Come make it alive. Open it up. Open the contents of the package. Maybe you want to come and pray with somebody. We have some prayer counselors down here who would love to pray with you. What is God showing you today? Jesus the Christ, fully God, fully man. and Dwelling of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that you're the creator of all. I thank you that, Father, you loved us so much that you sent Jesus to die for us so that we could be born again, that we can walk in that forgiveness, the sacrificial lamb dying once and for all for the sins of the world. What does that mean to us? I hope it means everything to us. And if it means everything to us, how will we live different? Jesus, that Christ was the game changer for all of us. What will we do with it? In Jesus' name, we ask all these things. We respond in this place. Amen. You come, stand to your feet as we sing. Worship, come, respond to him.